0: In the Gun, episode 15 of your new favorite WVU football podcast. It's time for a Texas recap. If everything is bigger in Texas, maybe this recap will be along those same lines. Wesley Euler with you here with the best teammates in the business, the runaway beer truck, Owen Schmidt, and the signal caller, Jed Drenning. Big O, after you fighting through it, playing through injury last week, I mean, you're back. Microphone sounds great. New headphones. How we feeling?
1: So I'll see a lot better than uh, this weekend after that loss. That was,
0: uh, I tell you what, poor, that was poor, poor Jedgar Allen Poe. I mean, rough <laughs> loss down there in Texas issues with his press pass issues with his microphone on the sideline issues getting oh. home when he landed at four 30 in the morning. That's a, that's a tough, uh, that's a tough 24 hours or so there. Jed was, was the Salt Lake barbecue at least fantastic as always.
2: That was the only high point, mm. really, of the entire weekend. The Salt Lake, of course, the Salt Lake, always delivers. You know, as Tony likes to say, they're they're like that consistent golfer who always drives it straight down the fairway. It's always going to be true. You know, we ordered family style. There were eight of us. Uh, you know, Coach mm. Wallace and I had enough sense. We walked the last time. You got to think back, twenty twenty because of covid we had to order from the hotel so it wasn't the same experience we were kind of trapped in the hotel in austin so we had to go back to 2018 the last time we were physically on site brick and mortar for you know salt lick there in round rock and that night coach wallace and i were just stupid i mean we walked out hurting okay we, we, both <laughs> took we both took a vow okay we're not going to get that excessive tonight. We're going to be smarter than that. <laughs> Let everybody around us be stupid. So I was sitting next to Mike Montoro, football SID. He's across from Tony and those guys had a battle. I mean, I'm sitting next to <laughs> I, I When I'm sitting next to Montoro, I think I got bruised from eating next to him, you know,
0: <laughs> I mean, he was just
2: throwing it out and, but uh, he and Tony were going at it now. But I, I, I think by, by uh, a couple ribs, Montoro was declared winner, but it, you can't. Oh hear wow! Specific. It was terrific as always, but the only high point to an otherwise eh, weekend.
0: Yeah, we're gonna break it all down here on this episode of ITG. Uh, this episode is brought to you in part by our new friends at Bet Online. How about that, fellas? New sponsor here oh, on the boy. show. I tell you what, we're going oh, big boy. time. Big shout out, National. Welcome to the party, to Bet Online. This episode brought to you by the good folks at Bet Online. Uh, before we get into some specifics, gentlemen, some, some headlines here, as always new top 25. Kansas is ranked, and Georgia taking a couple steps back after uh, some rocky back to back performances by the defending national champions.
2: Oh, and I'm a little surprised Georgia didn't slide a little more. You know what I mean? uh i mean missouri a week ago very much that's that's why you play the games i mean you would have guessed that missouri would have been a football team that was down and out after what happened to them a week ago but they regrouped they circled the wagon uh you know more credit to credit the tigers for playing the way they did but uh georgia was lucky to get out of there with a win and they only slid to number two but as you touched on hats off to kansas ranked in uh, both poles in the top 20 for the first time since 2009 And uh, speaking of the top 20, unbeaten TCU climbs to 17. We'll get into it, you know, how they throttle Oklahoma later on. Uh, And in the coaches poll, they're in the top 20 as well. Kansas State. So, Kansas the Mayflower State has two teams in the top 20, right behind the Jayhawks or the Wildcats. But uh, Syracuse back in the top 20. Baylor stayed in the coaches poll, I think, as they should. Uh, In my estimation, maybe the most complete team in the Big 12. uh, But they uh, dropped out of the AP. Uh, some shaking and bacon going on there. Some some interesting things playing out. Clemson survived, uh, stayed in the top five against the Fighting Gibbies, but uh, yeah, some interesting shaking and bacon there in the top twenty-five.
0: Yeah, LSU in for the first time in the uh, the Brian Kelly era. There, Syracuse back in UCLA in the top twenty. I was impressed. That was a nice win they had over Washington. I thought yeah. they were thought they were a little fool's gold uh, to start the season. But hey, when you take care of business like that against Washington, I, I think that's a legit team. I mean, think the, about uh, that—they'd
2: played four games, and their biggest game had been South Alabama.
0: That—that's what imagine I mean. imagine
2: playing a schedule like that. Of course, you're four and zero, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I, I wasn't so sure they'd take care of business against the Huskies. Wes. you're right, and they did.
0: They did, and they they looked impressive doing so. Um, and there's a couple of those teams that are that are in the poll here that haven't played, you know, a, a gauntlet schedule yet. But that's what you get early on in the season. And, uh, and certainly something we'll keep an eye on going forward. Another headline, a crazy one here, Jed, that you shared with us right before the, uh, the show started. Um, according to reports, multiple SMU players plan to sit out the rest of the regular season with the intention to preserve their redshirt year and enter the transfer portal after this season, SMU staff members with knowledge of the situation have said. You know, we've – discuss some of these ever-changing landscape of of college football type mm-hmm. stories before this is this is certainly uh a crazy one i mean i don't know if it's quite herm edwards staff leaking information to their opponents but when you want to talk business decisions right that's a term that gets yeah. used in football a lot business Ah, that was a business decision business decision yeah. man it's it's all over the board here
2: yeah and and uh, of course you know player liberty player movement however you want to phrase it uh that's where this is all heading but there are some some troubling trends i i truly believe that right now we're we're experiencing a a moment in time that will be reflected on in a lot of 30 30s and documentaries for the rest of our lives this this short span of time before they can wrap their hands around all these changes that are happening at once that really you know, are, are the games undergoing, you know, seismic shifting because of all these changes. And, and uh, this is a trend that it kind of sort of started back in 19 with Derek King. Of course, the irony when Derrick King transferred from Houston to Miami, he transferred to Rhett Lashley, who was on staff at Miami and Rhett Lashley's now the head coach at SMU where this is happening. The question is to what extent, how many players I, I don't really know the specifics or particulars of it, but here we are. The new redshirt rule allows for you to play one in four games, and you can still retain your eligibility and then sit out and transfer. And that's what a lot of these kids appear to be deciding to do. They don't like where their team's sitting, and and, and SMU's been a pretty competitive football team with a couple tight losses to Power Five teams. Uh, I, I I don't know what you do here. I, I don't see this changing until other things change around it, but just there's a lot of troubling things happening in the game until all this somehow, some way gets synced up. And this is just another one, another one of those things.
1: Yeah, this is, this is pretty crazy. Um, Very cool advantage for the athlete, obviously, you know, very cool advantage. How many times can they do that once?
2: Well, it depends if you're a grad transfer. Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, these rules are constantly in flux, but as I understand it, under ordinary circumstances, you're free to transfer once, okay, with, with, and then after that, you're, yeah. that, without graduating, without being a grad transfer, and then you have to apply for a waiver. You can still do it a second time without sitting out, but the NCAA would then have to grant you a waiver, but again, these these rules are constantly changing. Uh, in other words, you can do it once, Owen, and then the second time, again, as I understand it, last I checked, it was recently, like it used to be when you and I play, okay, okay. you have to sit out anyway the second time, unless you get the waiver, but
1: now have they changed the rule when I cause when I was coming from division three, I had to sit out that first year because I don't know why they would would have done it. I always thought it was supposed to be in reverse. If you were coming from higher up, they'd they'd almost kind of like quote unquote punish you for going to a lower level. But if you were going up, uh, but for some reason I had to sit out that first year. I was ineligible no matter what I would have done, even if I would have been able to come in and play. Um
2: same thing happened to me. Owen. You went yeah. deep three to
1: division 1. What I did yeah.
2: was the first time I transferred, I went back then it was 1AA.
1: Of course. Yeah, was, so so you went up. I yeah. went
2: 1AA up to WVU and had to sit out. And then when I transferred from WVU to Sanford or excuse me to, to Glenville, it was wasn't because it was division 2 at the time Glenville was NAIA. So different rules applied to the
1: NCAA. Uh, okay. When I
2: transferred up just like you, I had to sit out transferring up to WVU but then I didn't have to transfer or sit out transferring down because it wasn't any IA school.
1: Okay. Okay. But I believe you
2: could transfer down and not sit out.
1: Yeah. Yep. That was my understanding. That's how it used to be. And yeah. Now these, these rules are crazy. And uh, you know, on one aspect of it, I'm, you know, as a player, it's like, you know, if something were to happen, a coach maybe leave or something. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. You know what I mean? Something like that where you were really excited to play about that guy. And maybe he wants you to come to his new school. Maybe who knows? Uh, which that's a whole nother Lincoln can Riley. of worms. That's a whole nother can of worms. I think what we but, learned here, Wes, is Owen and I were
2: both in the portal before it was cool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right.
0: Yeah. You guys are trendsetters, somebody totally. would say. Totally. totally. And uh, final headline here. You know what? This works well. A story that's going to. Hit home close to the Big O's heart in his home state of Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Badgers have parted ways with Paul Crist after 67-26 uh, and 26 record. Um, certainly a lot of surprise here. I think that's fair to say. Paul Crist has had a lot of success. Uh, they just won nine games last year. They've won ten or more games four times uh, during his tenure there in Wisconsin. Uh, Owen and a pretty cool connection that that you have with uh, with the new interim head coach of the Badgers as well, too.
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of a it's a football story. Right. So it's a long story, but uh, I'll keep it short. But uh, the gist of it is uh, both Wisconsin boys. Right. Jim's a Wisconsin boy born in Ladysmith. We were born in the same hospital, I believe. Uh, Ladysmith, Wisconsin. That's a fun fact. There's only one hospital in Ladysmith so we were definitely born <laughs> in the same one. <laughs> but uh, and then he he ends up going to Flambeau High School. I was I was in Gilman. I was a county down, two counties down. And uh I think we we're in the same county. I'm not going to there's no uh I'm not putting a stamp on that like I know that truthfully, but we were we were not separated that far. Anyways, he's he's a couple years uh, older than me. He ends up Going to try to play for uh, River Falls. John O'Grady was the coach there. Uh, Well, and I don't even know if he was going to actually go there. John O'Grady had a conversation with him and said, Jim, uh, you know, you're a tremendous athlete, tremendous player. I think you're a little above uh, the standard here uh, at River Falls. And and, uh, he ends up going to Wisconsin, right? Uh, He's a three-time All-American there. Uh, Just an absolute stud in the weight room. Uh, five eight can dunk a basketball that he's got old highlights on on YouTube about him doing that stuff, but absolute tremendous player. Ends up going and playing what eight nine years in the league. Uh, and now he's back home coaching at his alma mater in the state he was born in. I mean, how freaking cool That's is real. that? I mean. I think I'm going to buy some Johnsonville brats tonight, some Miller Lite, and I'm going to celebrate. That is well, a win. You need
0: some spotted cow, is what you need. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That would make, and some <laughs> cheese curds, but I don't have any in the freezer yet by this time. But no, super cool story. Uh, was there uh, defensive backs for a year, then ends up taking the coordinator job. Uh, now he's the, the guy. I guarantee he is going to be the guy for a while there. Uh, and the reason I say that is because Jim's he's talk. I mean, you want to talk about a locker room guy. I mean, excellent locker room guy got to spend time up with him um, when he was doing his camps up in Wisconsin. Just a, a great dude. I can only imagine what his intellect and passion is on the field. He's going to be a great for right now. That's the best situation they could have had uh, with going to make this move, uh, getting uh you know exiting with coach chris but um unfortunately uh that's football today everybody wants results and uh, i wish jim the best and i i hope he can kick some tail man he's got a good group of kids there and that they're a tough wisconsin team they just need to find themselves a little bit uh i I look out for them uh in the next couple years plus i got a stud running back right now um who's an absolute terror on the field. He is uh, he is very impressive to watch and a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, watching some Wisconsin football. The Badges. The Badges.
2: I saw today, Owen, there was a lot of chatter with some of the national writers and you were commenting about Jimmy. And I'm thinking, did you cross paths? I, I was trying to rack my brain. I'm like, okay, in the NFL, did you cross paths with him? Because I wasn't aware of this history, this Wisconsin history until we talked. And I'm thinking, well, he's with the Ravens. He's with the Jets. I'm like, I don't, I don't know that Owen and he would have crossed paths in the league. So this is making a lot more sense. And, of course, when you say Paul Chris to me, as we talked about, guys, Paul Chris is always going to be the baby-faced 24-year-old GA coaching up our wideouts on Coach Nealon's staff when I was playing for the Mountaineers back in the early 90s. I mean, he's always going to be that guy. It's strange for me to see him, the aged version of Paul Chris today because he's always that baby-faced GA but uh, it's such a strange dynamic, 67 and 26, three division titles. Yeah. You know, he lost to, you know, maybe this is the unforgivable sin or the final straw, however you want to call it. It's just a crazy circumstance. He lost to Brett Lima, who, you know, of course, was instrumental in help building that Wisconsin brand after Alvarez. Uh, so he's now at Illinois, and they got dusted by those guys at home uh over the weekends they're off to a two and three start but he's 67 and 26 he has three division titles uh i mean we live in this age again wisconsin's sitting there on big 10 money so yeah uh you might not necessarily have to pay the king's ransom by their standards with this buyout for paul chris but they have a lot of money they have, anybody in the big 10 is long getting a full big 10 cut for as long as wisconsin has been has a lot of money okay Uh, so the decision, I have to believe there was more to it than the on-field product, because as we talked about the record, I mean, nothing would have suggested it's, it seemed pretty reactive. Okay. But some have suggested that they recognize Jim Leonard was an up and comer. Jim Leonard is a hot commodity. Jim Leonard right now is in the building on staff as a hot commodity. So we better grab him while, you know, strike with the iron's hot. I don't know. I'm speculating, but we now live in a world where, you know, you have the Don Nealon of TCU football is Gary Patterson, and they erected a statue out in front of Eamon G. Carter Stadium of their Don Nealon, and then after the statue was erected, they fired him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, And now he's out there in the burn orange. Now, through four games, that's worked out. Let's see how it works out over the long haul. But, you know, look what happened in Nebraska. I mean, again, most coaching hires don't work out. The math is always against you that a new hire is going to work out, okay? I mean, everybody's talking about Lance Leipold. Well, look at the coaching hires that have taken place, not just at Kansas, but elsewhere, looking for the, Lance, the next Lance Leipold, and what are we, one for a 1,000 now to finally find a Lance Leipold, and people are ignoring the 999 misses to lead to a There's a reason that Lance Leipold's the biggest story in college football right now, because he's the one that finally worked out despite the odds, against all, all odds, against the math, but What happened in Nebraska, and I would say it even started with Frank Solich, I mean, before Polini, okay? So they fired Solich for winning eight a year, and then they fired Polini for winning nine a year, and they've been a shell of the former selves ever since. You're all one miscalculated coaching change away from a program with relative stability spiraling into that abyss, you know? And again, everybody thinks they have the next Lance Lightpole because now Kansas does, but... There have been a thousand tries to find the next Lance Lightholder and only a short handful of them work out. So before you get into that mathematical challenge that is looking for a new coach, okay, like, uh, you know, Nebraska now finds itself in once again. Before you get into that mathematical challenge, make sure that you're looking at the situation and say, hey, we've exhausted all possibilities. All hope is lost. We're not competitive at all. Uh, There's no chance whatsoever. Now it's time to move on and roll the dice and have all the odds stacked against us and try somebody else. And that's what schools sometimes do. And most often it doesn't work out, but once in a while it does. And when it does, it's big news, Uh, just like uh, it has been at Kansas. And Owen talks about, you know, the promise of a Jim Leonard. I wouldn't have known that. You know, I recognized him as a sharp-minded young coach but I wouldn't have recognized all these things Owen's talking about without his history, and maybe they plug him in and he fits. Now, what's interesting, guess who was a Wisconsin native? Lance Leipold.
1: Leipold. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, dude. We're all
2: Wisconsin boys, son. Bring out the Kurds, baby. Guess who's attached to every job in the free world? Lance Leipold, (laughs) you know, because he's the one guy in a thousand tries that worked out.
0: He's the new Matt Campbell, baby. He's linked to every job in the country. I mean,
2: Kansas is the new Iowa State. They're like, hey, those other those, those other 100 hires that everybody tried didn't work out, but Landslide Pole did. <laughs> so all we got to do is do it again. And then we got the next one out of 100. Be careful. That's all I'm saying is whoever you are, whether you're USC, whether you're Texas, whoever you might be, I mean, that's the new reality of it. And if you have the budget, if you have the resources, if you have the finances, you can roll the dice. But I mean, again, Kansas, what's the bio? 16, 18 million, or not Kansas, but Wisconsin. Wisconsin I think Wisconsin. somewhere They like, said something North.
1: like that. Here, something here's. Like that. The alarming part to me is that when schools can do this and just pull the trigger like this, yeah, whether they've been thinking about it forever, I don't care how long premeditated it is or whatever, if it's just on a whim, whatnot, that's a lot of money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Six, whatever, 16, 20 million. Just to buy a coach out, that's just to buy the coach out. Then what are you buying the staff out? Then you're trying to buy another guy for another 20. So you're talking like you're I'll looking at 40, well. yeah, 40, $50 other million words, dollars for a You term. better be sitting on Big Ten money.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean. You better. And even and, then you're going to take a hit. And that's what right. I'm saying. And you're saying Big Ten money. And I, like it's just like dawning on me. Like, there is just so much money out there, yeah. right? It's just not. Yeah. You know this place has this much. This place has that much. Uh, it's unfortunate that it has to be like that, but I mean, dude, that's just the that's I mean, the reality Kansas, of the situation.
2: Kansas seems like it was paying five head coaches at one time after firing all of them before before getting one that worked. Yeah, know? yeah. And that guy might be gone in December. I, yeah. But it's it's a a crazy word that Gary Patterson was the one that the reality of it really set in with me. I'm like, again, be careful of what you're asking. And I say the same to TCU. Maybe long-term Sonny Dykes is the answer. Uh, I, I believe in Sonny Dykes, and he believes in that job. But, again, if you hire the right guy, credit to you because you've overcome the odds. The odds are against you that the next guy is going to work out. That's just what history tells us about any coaching position at any Power Five school or, for that matter, most group of five schools.
1: And in coaching, you know, it might be a slower game, but there's new players, man. There's new players that come into play. So, you know, you get some fresh, fresh new blood with like Jimmy in there. Uh, you know, he, he just to have a guy who played there, excelled there, went to the pros, excelled there, yeah. played there eight, nine years. You know, I mean, that's a that's a great career. And then comes back to the alma mater probably see some things that weren't a part of when he was there or the tradition that he wants to build or where he knows how much that means to him. Right. I mean, to be from Wisconsin, to play from Wisconsin is a huge thing. Um, You know, just like probably is any other state you'd play for, but I know uh, this one just being a little bit personal because there have been some, some meetings and stuff like that. As far as uh, uh, Jim goes, I just, i it's hard for me not to believe just because that's like, it's almost how you're raised up there. You know what I mean? Like you just, you're a passionate person. There's a lot of passionate people that come from up there. And One I final
2: think- West Virginia connection tight ends coach for the Badgers. Guess who former Mountaineer linebacker, Chris Herring. So, hmm. uh, one more Mountaineer connection there that again, going back to the Paul Chris days in the early nineties when I knew him. Right. But, uh, so I think what'll be key for Jim Leonard is, uh, you know, let's say that he has enough success down the stretch to remove the interim label and become the guy. It'll be critical, obviously, you know, he puts in place as his OC uh, because that's one of the advantages. When you, when you look at a guy like that in his late thirties, obviously he's on top of all the new trends in the game. You know, he's of that age around 40 years old. So he's on top of the modern era of football and they view Paul as, Oh, maybe the, the game's passed him by what he does has grown stale. Well, you know, a guy like Jim Leonard, that's not necessarily the case. It was just a short time ago he was still in the league, right? Yeah. So he's on top of all the trends on both sides of the football. So what does he do of put in position after the season's over to assemble his own staff? That would kind of be fun to see, you know, who he might, you know, tap on the shoulder and bring back into into Madison to run that offense for him. But, uh yeah, I, I don't know that a lot of folks saw this coming, unless you're part of the inner workings in Madison. But, um uh, just be careful it's not the next you know, Nebraska because Nebraska was a pretty stable program before thinking they were better than what they were being afforded with uh, uh And that's typically how things work out, but there's exceptions to that. But here we go.
0: I will never think any higher as a complete slam dunk anymore after Scott Frost. I, that was the biggest no-brainer of all time. Guy had two great years at UCF, returning to Nebraska, all those resources, all that history, part of the program. And it was like, all right, well, here comes Nebraska. You know, maybe they're not going to be Alabama or Ohio State, but they'll be viable. And, uh, you know, three weeks into the season here, he was was canned already. It is a crazy business, an unpredictable business for sure. We're going to go to the 50-yard line here with Jed in just a minute. But first – A little love for our new friends at bet online folks football is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season you'll find the latest odds matchup information player news game trends and more and as your continued source for all sports wagering info bet online features live betting free contests live scores and giveaways all season long always the fastest and easiest way to bet your favorite sports and events like baseball MMA tennis boxing certainly football, and even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. And make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE when you sign up to receive your words. That's B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, at BetOnline, where the game starts. Jedgar, to the 50-yard line we go. What What you got for us? We heard about Salt Lick. We heard about the issues with your press pass. We heard about the issues with the airport and all these different things. I mean, give it, give us something good, good atmosphere down there. Did you see Matthew McConaughey? Uh, Would you <laughs> what you what you got for us at the fifty yard line?
2: Well, you, you never necessarily know what to expect, you know, uh, when you head to Austin because it's it, it, they can be a, a fickle people. Okay in terms of their support for the Longhorns. They're always going to come out in, in, in pretty extensive numbers. It's just a matter of the level of passion, okay? Uh, and I kind of wondered, you know, they were sore after last week's loss in Lubbock, a game they felt they should have won. Uh, there are a couple of plays away from being a 4-0 and football team, which would, of course, include a win over number one ranked Alabama, enough said, right? So I didn't know what to expect. Would this be one of those crowds that was in the 100,000 ballpark? Did they come close to filling dkr or would it be one of those crowds maybe pushing 90 and they sit on their hands okay uh i was pretty impressed it was it was closer to the former they the official crowd was reported at just over 100 now i'm not sure it reached that but it was close i mean there weren't nearly as many empty seats and scanning that facility for the better part of that evening uh, as i would have anticipated i've been down there with only 90 92 only i say use that term loosely but uh, this was probably pushing that, uh, that figure. I mean, it was a big crowd. They were into it from the outset. Uh, they were ready for a football game. Uh, they were ready to bounce back from what they viewed as, as a situation they let slip away against Texas Tech the week before. So it was a passionate crowd that was into it for the lion's share of the night. And uh, of course, it was, uh, it was made difficult by they jumped right out. You know, and the crowd got into it. We never really did anything to diffuse that crowd out of the gate. I mean, we had some of those early opportunities. We'll talk about it later. We didn't make the most of them. And so things went according to Texas script, and the Texas crowd responded in kind. And they were a very electric part of all the proceedings. And then in the second half, you know, with with what played out with CJ, uh, that just, I don't know what words to, to use to describe that terrifying, uh, awful, nightmarish. I mean, it, it it felt like on some level at that point we descended into some level of hell. You know, I'm just like, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing there. This poor kid, all I could think about his family back in Florida, his mom back in Florida, watching the game. That's all you can think about when that happens. That's all you can think about. You could have heard a pin drop among those hundred thousand Texas fans. There were some Mountaineer fans there. Uh, but, uh, as that was playing out, the kids were you know, out past the hash. I was I was behind them. I obviously wanted to give them as wide a berth as necessary, um, but just a, a very sobering handful of, of moments there. Uh, and I will say this too, this is kind of what I left with. The three largest cheers I heard all night from those 100,000 people in this order. Number three, when they announced the uh, Mississippi state score of beating Texas A&M of <laughs> traditional Texas rival, the Aggies, because they, they hate the Aggies. They love seeing the Aggies lose. So the place roared when they announced that the pirate had beaten Jimbo. Okay. That's number three. Number two, you guys can probably guess TCU. When the score was announced, they blew the doors off the Sooners. Okay. Mm. Place erupted. Okay. But hands down, number one, as CJ was put on the gurney as he was wheeled off after what seemed like an eternity of waiting and wanting to know anything. Okay. He, I don't know if you could see it on a TV broadcast or not. He managed to put a thumb up. There wasn't a roof on it, but the, the roof had got blown off at that point had there been, the crowd erupted. And that was, that was kind of a, a moment of brotherhood in the sport. You know, I thought, Hey, Tip of the ten gallon to the Texas fans for that. That was a pretty neat moment. But uh, that, like I said, that that knocked everything else that played out the rest of the night, either before it or after it, out of sorts. Because you really, I mean, even afterwards, you saw kids with tears in their eyes. The Mountaineers trying to regroup, get back in the huddle. You know what I'm saying? I when it's, it's uh, you just watch that have your brother. There's such a level of uncertainty, you know. And yeah, it's your job uh, to. Get back and return focused, but that's your brother, that's your guy, you know. And so, very emotional few moments, but uh, like I said, that was uh, a pretty dark stretch of time there that you really wanted to end. And then I remember we got back in the locker room, and that's one of the first things Neil told the team. You know, he got an update from the medical staff who was at the nearby hospital with CJ. And he said hey he has movement in all extremities you know he's going to be returning home and i at that point you're like okay this this weight has been lifted and uh but as as far as being on the sidelines at field level i'd be remiss if i focused on anything but that because that just monopolized emotionally and otherwise everything that happened saturday night
1: yeah it's always scary when uh when you see when your brother in arms go down like that and, you know, there's no answers, you know, you just kind of sit there, you say a prayer, you know what I mean? You get, you get close, you take a knee, you reflect. Um, A lot of times when stuff like that happens uh, you know, I reflect how thankful we are to be able to play a game like that. uh, That is so violent uh, where at any moment you know, it could be taken away uh, from you yeah. know, um and uh it brings reality you know to the situation because sometimes you know in all reality i, I don't think any, nobody thinks about that stuff no. you know what i mean no, nobody does so right. so when it does happen it is it is a it is a little bit of a a, a wake-up call right reality check um but you just you know you you really be thankful Uh, that you're, you're able, you have your health and you'll be able to play that great game. And, uh, you know, and all you can think about is uh, hoping the speedy recovery for your, uh, for your teammate. So, I, I, I mean, and I think as Mountaineer fans too, and any fans that are really connected with teams, we all feel that, you know, especially with how he's started out this season. A lot of people are invested. I mean, I was like, oh man, uh, that's our horse
2: and it's it's I mean, almost that's like a, that's uh, like our
1: damn that's our heartbeat right now man that's the the,
2: the brotherhood at large Owen. and yeah. you're right it's like uh we 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 lose sight of how gladiatorial barbaric this game we play in love is as players you lose sight of it and you forget that at the drop of a hat that could happen to any one of us right yeah and irrespective of yeah it cuts right to the heart when it's one of your guys but the brotherhood hits you just as hard. Like I remember at Rutgers in 2011, sitting down at the bottom of the Rutgers tunnel as Eric Legrand led Rutgers onto the field. I I had tears in my eyes. It's just, it, it doesn't matter who it is. It's a fellow football player. Yeah. And it's part of that fraternity. You're just like, wow. I just, and it was one of those moments in West you just hate to see him. I, whether it's yours, somebody else's, you just, you know, fortunately, you know, it ended uh, in in a pretty favorable way. Uh, You know, uh, obviously something to be monitored. I'm not in the breaking news business. That's not my job, nor do I want it to be. So I'll let this play out. Let the Western medical staff report as they see fit using whatever timeline they see fit, but uh, we're in a much better place with it than we thought we were there for a few minutes Saturday night.
0: Yeah. And that that is good news, certainly. I'm I'm with you guys. Eric Legrand stands out. Um, I mean, I with my job, a few times a year, I'll see Ryan Shazier walk oh. down the hallway or rock, walk across the field, and that always, you know, it strikes me. Every he crossed time. my mind,
2: Saturday West. He did every
0: every single time. Ryan Shazier, I mean, there was a lot of people who didn't think that that dude was going to walk ever again, and you know, be able to play with his kids, and he was able to dance at his own wedding. He's able to, yeah. you know. It's alumni weekend, get introduced and walk out, walk out of the tunnel and all that stuff. And yeah, um, hopefully, you know, all indicators so far so good for CJ and, and let's uh, let's continue to hope yeah. that that is the case. We got to get to our first break here. We are way overdue. <laughs> but when we come back on the other side, we'll look at some game recaps, some of the predictions and projections that we made, see what we got right, see what we got wrong. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt, it's in the gun, and we'll be back after this message from our friends at Toothman Ford.
2: I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford.
1: J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like
2: Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got
1: a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback, and cars really do cost less than Grafton at Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online
2: anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Back in the gun here,
0: ITG, episode number 15. Time to take a look at some of the projections and predictions that we made for the week that was in college football. We'll start with the the top 25, pardon me, from this past Saturday. Jed, it was a full slate of top 25 action, We'll pull up the graphic now. How did we do?
2: Yeah, top 25, what you're looking at on screen, if you're watching on screen. If not, we'll walk you through it. On the left was our projection we made last week based on point spreads and over-unders and whatnot. On the right is the actual score, how the game played out. Uh, We projected an Ole Miss win over Kentucky at home, 31-24. Ole Miss did win, 22-19. We projected an Alabama win at Arkansas, 38-21. Alabama did win, 49-26. We projected a Florida State win at home in a shootout over Wake, 37-31. Not so fast. Actual result, Wake actually won the football game 31-21. to And then finally, we were pretty close with this one with our projection based on the numbers. We projected a Clemson win at home, 27-20 over the Fighting Gibbies of North Carolina State. The actual score wasn't 27-20. It was 30-20. to So close on that one. But that's how – our projections and actual results unfolded in the top 25.
0: And then we'll take a look, obviously, at the Big 12 Conference as well, too. It was a big weekend across the, the conference, some prove-it games, some revenge games, some separation games. How did we do locally across the Big 12, Mr. Jedgar?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, let's start with the obvious one, okay? We projected Oklahoma to go on the road, silly us, And win in Fort Worth, 35-31 over TCU. They were favored by five. So we looked at a 35-31-ish score. Obviously, that is not what happened. TCU blew the doors off Oklahoma, 55-24. So do the math. Oklahoma five-point favored. Oklahoma lost by 31. So 36-point differential. Neat trick. Oklahoma State. We projected Baylor to win a close one, 28-27. In, in Waco, actually, the Cowboys came out on top 36 to 25, big win for the Cowboys to stay unbeaten. Texas Tech K State, we projected a nine point K State win, 33 24. It actually was a nine point K State win, but it was 37 28. And then finally, we projected Iowa State to knock off Kansas and Lawrence 31-27 based on the spread, based on the over-under, 31-27 type score. Uh, this one was a rock fight. Kansas held on to win an ugly football game 14-11 to to stay unbeaten. And as we know, for the first time ever, ESPN game day is going to Lawrence yeah. for the big showdown between the unbeaten Jayhawks and the unbeaten TCU Horned Frogs on Saturday.
0: ESPN going for game day for football. Yes. for the first time they've been there oh, yeah, times true. for hoops i didn't know they, yeah not, football
2: yeah it's <laughs> easy football. to forget there is a game day for hoops come on it's, <laughs> yeah it's not it's quite not quite that event oriented all right same yeah yeah yeah, yeah. not the same thing for, for football thank you
0: yeah certainly that'll that'll be a fun one kansas tcu this weekend and obviously we'll we'll have the saturday off i'm sure there'll be plenty of mountaineers watching that one i was hopeful that baylor was going to take care of business against oklahoma state um just so that they would you know i mean they'd been a top 15 team rolling into Morgantown instead the now 10. they're yeah yeah instead now they're they're just on the outside looking in coaches
2: like, are still ranked
0: yeah coaches they are still ranked uh Oklahoma State now obviously uh seventh I believe they, yeah, they were they're climbing um, they're they're climbing certainly uh so yeah big weekend across the big 12 uh last weekend and that's how it all shook out for us now how'd we do individually somebody got on the board
2: this week somebody got on the board it wasn't me
0: We each make make our predictions. Jed gives us the Big 12 signal caller of the week where he predicts which quarterback will throw for the most yards in the conference. Jed, we'll pull up the graphic. How'd you do?
2: I went with Hunter Deckers. I thought we'd have a shootout in Lawrence, Kansas, and I thought he would be a beneficiary of that. Uh, Wasn't so much of a shootout. We talked about the 14-11 defensive struggle. Uh, He ended up with 287 yards, which was good for fifth. Among Big Twelve passers, another big day for Donovan Smith, who led the way with 359 for Texas Tech in the loss at K State. Uh, now remember, we might we not might not be facing Donovan Smith by the time we get to uh, Lubbock. Their starter might be back, but uh, Blake Shapen uh, also in a loss to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, 345 for Baylor. Hudson Card, we saw what he did to West Virginia. Big day for him, whatever three bills. Max Duggan. Did it through the air and on the ground. Big day for Max Duggan and TCU against the Sooners. But I didn't hit it. I was fifth place.
0: Owen, I think you had some success, partner. Our Big 12 Beer Truck of the Week, which running back in the conference will run for the most yards. Owen, go ahead. Gloat. We'll pull up the graphic now. How'd you do? Uh,
1: It was a landslide, honestly. Deuce Vaughn, baby. My man coming up big I mean,
0: you're right it wasn't close i mean by 34 yards no, no, he, he wasn't. ran away with it i mean Come
2: unless your name's adrian martinez who had more rushing yards than him but he but, did uh, running backs
1: running, running backs. backs jed i okay. made the rule i know okay. I, I help you out i'm hey. looking
2: out for my brother all right
1: big day my cap okay big, big day big day big day
2: i see right. what owen does he takes a week off and that's why he was a no-show last week finishing 12th okay and saved it all for his effort this week, and it paid off. (laughs) Hey, Jed,
0: I had a coach one time when I was growing up playing hockey who told me, I lost the scoring title for our league in hockey on the last day of the season because the guy who was in second place behind me scored two goals, and the second one was an empty netter. So I was one ahead. He scored twice to tie me and then scored an empty netter at the end of the game to win the scoring title for our league. And I'm steaming in the locker room, right? I'm like, you gotta be effing kidding me! This guy, an empty net goal gives him the scoring title. Come on. And my coach, his name was Fred Jacobs. Still remember? Put his arm around my shoulder. I was 13, 14 years old. He goes, Wes. In sports, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And he got one more than you.
2: <laughs> Owen,
0: my favorite this, weird In stat this contest, me. we don't ask how, we ask how many. And you and I got one, and Jed got
2: none. Here's my favorite weird stat story. West Virginia, a couple years ago, became the first Big 12 team since 1999 to lead the nation in passing defense, okay? Here's how we did it. We edged out Army, who was right behind us. That's right. Okay? The The game-winning drive in the Liberty Bowl, the passing yards that Austin Kimball assembled, knocked Army's defense behind ours to both win us the game and win us the national passing defense title. That's the the neatest. The double whammy from Austin. The double whammy whammy from Army. They lost the game, and they lost the number one pass defense rank.
0: Well, Jed, if it makes you feel any better, I had a poor showing this week. Your Big 12 defense of the week, where I tell you which defense is going to give up the most amount of points. I took Kansas State. They didn't even finish in the top five. They gave up 28 to Texas Tech. It was those Kansas Jayhawks, stingy, allowing just 11 points to Iowa State. Which
2: was surprising. I mean, that might have huh. been the last team I would have picked. See, you say. I, I mean, and I'll say I, this. That's the first time, Wes, you haven't placed in the top five.
0: Well, I mean. You've been consistent. You know. Yeah. I'm, I, I tell you. I tell you. I'm pretty synonymous with defense. I mean, you know. but You are. Uh,
2: you certainly are.
0: You think defense. I mean, you think Grant Wiley and then Wes Euler. I think it's that order. One or kind of look <laughs>
2: Have you seen Grant recently? <laughs> you kind of look the same these days. Dude,
0: Reed Williams, too. <laughs> My goodness, Reed Williams. He probably weighs about as much as I do now as well. Uh, We're going to do predictions for uh, for this Saturday, correct here? We quickly? are.
2: Because uh, of our strange schedule layout. Yes.
0: Jed, redemption is
2: spelled J-E-D. Who you we'll got see. this week? Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Again, West Virginia not playing Saturday. We're going to go ahead and make our picks, our Individual picks and we'll review them next week. Uh, I'm gonna pick for my signal caller of the week to throw for the most yards as a player in the Big 12. Boy, I'm going with Spencer Sanders at home in Stillwater. Ooh. Uh, even in the big one at Baylor, he was held under two bills. I think he's due for another big outing at home in Stillwater against Texas Tech. Count me in for Spencer Sanders for Oklahoma State to throw for the most yards in the Big 12.
0: Big O. Or are you riding with your boy, Deuce Vaughn?
1: I'm going with Burn Orange this week.
0: I think that's the right call.
1: B. John Robinson. Robinson. Yep, yeah. the horse from Texas.
0: I got a feeling he might stomp a mud hole in the Sooner's chest. and I never root for Texas, but for them to be the ones that would give Oklahoma their third straight loss and send that fan base into just an absolute meltdown. Yeah, wouldn't I'm... hate that. Wouldn't hate that one bit. You know, Oklahoma fans, they've gotten by too long in life just not being as insufferable as Texas fans, but I think it's about time they this humbling oh, continues. You
2: might have one guy to worry about. Roshan Johnson. <laughs> you <laughs> might mm. give you he might give you a running port for texas that's,
1: He might dude you know
2: might. i mean oklahoma, who in this topsy turvy big 12 watch watch oklahoma show up I know. texas that's whatever you least Gosh. expect is what you're probably going to get but, i'm going
0: to go iowa state for my big 12 defense of the week um, kansas state's flying high but i'm still not sure you know that they're going to score more than 20 consistently uh, and we all know what happens in night games when ranked teams go to Ames for a night game. Mm-hmm. That's where hopes They've and dreams that. Yeah. go to die. So I will take the Cyclones fresh off. Uh, solid performance, just allowing 14 against Kansas. Let's see if they could keep it to, uh, to under 20 against Kansas State at home this weekend on Saturday. We're going to get to our last break. When we come back here, more Texas recap, the good, the bad, the pivotal moments. It's all ahead here on ITG.
2: Game Day got you on the go? We get it. GoMart is
0: here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia-owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, a stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, Go Mart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go
2: with GoMart.
0: Final segment here in the gun our Texas recap episode. It's time to get into the good and the bad, Mister Drenning. You were the third of this podcast here that was down in Austin on Saturday night, so I will let you start here. You want to go with the good? You want to go with the bad? Where you want to begin?
2: Uh, there's plenty of bad, uh, so let's let's knock it out. You know, again, you guys feel free to to pitch in. <clears throat> you know, I'm going to start with the, in no particular order, the drops. Okay. Uh, That was an issue that plagued us especially early at critical times. Uh, And there was plenty of blame to go around, you know, whether it was the tight end room, the receiver room, Uh, you know, we can jump back over and say uh, defensively uh, lack of a pass rush outside of that first series. You know, we made a nice play to pin them back in there with the sack kind of evaporated after that. And I think part of that was a byproduct of them, Once again, similar to some extent to what Kansas did, putting us on our heels with their RPO game. Uh, It was a very effective RPO game, Uh, so it wasn't a lot of true pocket-type stuff. Um, So they had our eyes very busy with what they were doing with movement, with shifting. Uh, But then post-snap, Sark's RPO game is pretty nasty. Uh, Coverage, I think it's tied to uh, the same thing. Our eyes were really busy on the back end. We weren't getting pressure on the passer. So coverage, pass rush, I'd even include tackling. You know, uh, I even took a note here. If you look at the missed tackles that we had uh, against Texas and and chart it throughout the course of the season, what we've had, uh, we had a dozen against Texas, missed tackles by game, and this is per pro football focus, which isn't spot on, but it's a fair barometer. We had eight against Pitt. We had nine against Kansas, seven against Towson. We were really starting to shore things up, bottling up a Virginia Tech offense that struggled in some ways. We only missed four tackles against Virginia Tech, but we had a dozen against Texas. And, again, I think they had us kind of out of sorts defensively. Uh, And then I'd say the explosive play differential. You know, Uh, they made a lot of huge plays. We didn't answer with huge plays of our own. We had a couple uh, that were either big plays or fringe big plays, but we really couldn't build off of those. So the differential in those things was uh, another thing that really hit us hard, but uh, that's some of the bad stuff before we get into the good stuff. I'll let you guys pitch in with what you saw that didn't work out so well either.
1: Yeah. I'd say some of the stuff that I was <clears throat> a little perturbed about was some of the penalties and when they came in the game, uh, obviously uh, that interference call, just don't understand where, where you're coming there. And uh you know, giving up that face mask down when we got them pinned mm. and giving them a fresh set of downs. That was tough for me to kind of swallow. It was just like, golly, uh, those are the that's when it really you really need to be dialed in. You know, what I mean, you can't make mistakes down there, uh, because you're putting yourself in a good field position if you can get out of that situation with a with a three and out. Um, like you said, the tackling, I thought we did do a decent job at Hemming up, uh, uh, Bijan Robinson. Uh, for the most part, I know he did get a hundred yards, but they were pretty. I mean, he worked for all those yards. Yeah, uh, he wasn't busting. It. I think he built maybe broke one 15 yarder on us, uh, which yeah. you know, I mean, that's not really nothing of, of note. Um, but like you said, kind of that's just where I was. the The secondary uh, was a little over aggressive. Uh, I know we got beat on that double move that post corner of like on the first touchdown, I was kind of thinking to myself like, good Lord, man. Like, like we shouldn't have been that far behind on that play. So there's just, there's learning curves, man. I'm sure there's a speed difference on the field. I mean, that number four for Texas looked really fast. I mean, he looked fast on TV. Uh, So I'm sure on the field, he was just lightning speed, Mm -hmm. but it just seemed like we were kind of out of position at times in the secondary where, you know, if we're just one step here, one step there, we're making the, we're ending up making those plays and putting ourselves in better positions to, to create turnovers.
0: I echo everything you guys said. I'll add one more here. One thing to me that it, it just feels like it's happened to us, you know, once a year that we have one of these games Uh, last year, it was Baylor right down there in Waco Uh, the year before I trying to think Oklahoma. I'd say Tech at home. Maybe, yeah. Or down in Lubbock, yeah. These these games where early on the other team is feeling it, nothing's going right for us, and we just, for whatever reason, can't put our foot down, can't draw a line in the sand, can't do something to flip that to get back in the game. Like all throughout the first quarter and the second quarter there, we're falling behind, we're falling behind, Texas is having their way, and I'm like – so, just someone needs to make a play. Yeah. Someone, someone on offense needs to break a tackle or two and turn a 15-yarder into a 50-yarder. Someone on defense needs to yeah. make a play and create a turnover or a big TFL to get us the ball back right away. It's like sometime, and, and, and not all the time, but it's like we, we're, we've we had one of these games over the last two, three years where it's it's almost like a snowball rolling downhill yeah. where just early on the other team grabs the momentum and for whatever reason – we can't do anything to stop that to get it back, and it's like you're looking up in the second quarter, like, man, is this game over already?
2: Yeah. Um that you almost that feel that West me, like you're you're trying to stop yeah, a hurricane with a trash bag at some point early on. It's I, I know what you're saying. Be like me
0: trying to trying to pick up Big O on a block. I mean, it just yeah. <laughs> it's ugly. It's ugly, um, and that's concerning to me because listen. Every team in every sport, you have those games occasionally. You just do. Hell, the Oklahoma Sooners just had one last week against TCU. But for us, it, it seems like we're good for one of those every year where just nothing's going right from the get-go, and we can't do anything to kind of just grab the game by the neck and say, you know what, we're going to find a way to hang in this fight. We might still lose. The final score might be a little, still lobs- little lopsided, <laughs> but we're not going to let the result become a foregone conclusion this early. Um, that, to me, is you know something now that's happened a few years in a row and um, shouldn't be.
2: That's a fair point. And, and, I, and I, we talked about this last week. Uh, one of our concerns coming out of the Virginia Tech game was a slow start, right? Well, we played four power five opponents, okay, three in prime time on the road under the lights. In three of those four games, we've had a slow start. Now, Pitt, you could argue we were kind of feeling each other out, right? Fair enough. Uh, Kansas – got off to a solid start, just didn't finish strong. Virginia Tech, slow start. Texas, very slow start. We're void out of the gates, right? So you got to ask yourself, okay, down the stretch, when you're trying to look through the remaining schedule and pick out what remaining opportunities you have to win, well, it's not going to happen unless you do this. You string together a 60-minute performance in which you start like you did against Kansas and you finish like you did against Virginia Tech. That's what it's going to take against the remaining teams on the schedule to give yourself a puncher's chance to win those football games, a fast start like we had against Kansas and a strong finish. Like we did against tech. You're not going to be able to do it with 30 good minutes of football, no matter which front end back end doesn't matter. We got to string that together for these remaining games, starting with Baylor.
1: Yeah, I agree completely Jed. I mean, unfortunately, Wow. And Wes, like you said, they had a giant vacuum, man. And they sucked that big mo right out of the sky. It, It uh, you know, and then, you know, you get a guy who's supposed to be a, who's kind of been that giant for you, you know, go down like that. I mean, it just, it's tough, man. Games like that are tough, but you know, like you said, somebody has got to step it up and make a play on this team and, and everybody should be thinking they can be that guy because that's all it takes. One big explosive play, stack another one, stack another one. You know, you yep. know, obviously, yeah, you and then get and snowball then snowball
0: moving yeah. in the other way. Yeah, right? exactly.
1: Yeah. But you, it just takes stringing those plays together, man. And and it's funny as a fan how you can watch it happen. You can you can feel it. You can yeah. legit feel it. It's just like, man, this is not going our way. We're we're playing dice here, and we're we're rolling snake eyes every time. So I mean, you get the sense that when
2: it's what's one of those nights, and nobody will stop it from being. I mean, when Aubrey goes up for the pick and it's deflected and it falls into the hands of Xavier Worthy sure. and we have the opportunity for the onside kick and it goes through right through KP's hands. It was just like, okay, can somebody secure the football and make this go our way? And, I, and I'll say this too, in terms of the coverage issues we had, the margin for error when Texas comes to play is always going to be very finite. They, their talent is absolutely as advertised. So the only thing you wondered, what version of Texas are we going to get? the version that showed up against Alabama or the version that showed up in the fourth quarter at Lubbock. Well, the version we got was the version that showed up against Alabama. Okay. Xavier worthy. He's one of the fastest football players I've ever seen in person on the field. He really is. I saw him in Morgantown a year ago. He looked faster the other night than he did in Morgantown. And he had seven catches, 80 some odd yards in Morgantown of course, a year ago, but he was absolutely in person at field level. As explosive a football player as I've ever seen, some, some, Tavon, up close and in person. some Tavon vibes and I, there, and I've seen some fast cats. Okay, uh, he's right there among the fastest guys I've ever seen at field level. You want to go some of the good?
0: I do want to go some of the good. Let's
2: get out of here on a positive note. <laughs> Let's go with this. Uh, I got to start with JT's toughness, and I think the signature moment, as far as JT's toughness goes. Okay. Uh, there was the point where he got hit by the 340 pounder in his face. I think it was Coburn when they had the rough in the passer call against him and he was down. And initially it almost looked like he was down for the count. He went down hard. And uh, I mean, Tony's reaction on the broadcast, it looked pretty serious for the first couple of seconds. JT somehow made his way to his feet and completely waved off the training staff waved him off said nope we're in the middle of a fight here we're on the business end of some bad stuff the last thing I'm going to do is leave my guys on the field get back over there hey training staff get back over there again he just waved him off limped his way back didn't miss a snap so for a guy that has had some tough luck from an injury standpoint let's knock on wood we know to what happened to him at USC uh, I think it was really tough luck with that lad injury that he suffered and just was a nagging injury for him in Georgia uh he's a tough kid he is a tough kid Let nobody question jt's toughness i think that showed through he was under duress played under duress for the balance of the game the other night that was the biggest shot that i saw him take out of several shots but he stood right in and delivered uh and then the other thing i'd go to is at least we regrouped and had somewhat of a better second half neil challenged the kids at halftime he told him he's like look you can't unfilm what you did in the first half. I've told you that before. What you put on film is there for all of time. Scouts, are going to see it. Your teammates, are going to see it. Your grandkids, are going to see it. Fans are going to see it. It's going to be there until the end of time. So make what you put on film for the final 30 minutes a lot better than what you put on for the first 30 minutes. And I think to some extent they did that. In particular, uh, I was pleased or impressed with how they responded after seeing what happened to their fallen brother in CJ. I think you could argue some of our best football came when the kids regrouped, wiped the tears from their eyes, and they were playing hard, probably the better part of the night, but they were certainly playing hard down the stretch in the second half, so that's one of the other things I'd look to, and by and large, there are a couple individual performances, it was nice to get Aubrey Burks back, people are going to talk about the interception that slipped through his hands, but he did some relatively nice things, Uh, he was a bright spot, I think, in a sea of struggles, maybe defensively, especially on that back end, Uh, from a tackling standpoint, maybe to some extent from a coverage standpoint, but it was nice to have him, you know, getting back to normal a bit. Okay. So he's one guy I would, I would point out, but uh, that's about it.
1: Yeah. I thought uh, just going off somebody who kind of stepped up, Justin Johnson, I thought he did a, a a decent job running the football there Um, towards the end. He had a couple of good plays where he just kind of, you know, stuck to it and, uh, and ran hard. I mean, he's, he's pretty, pretty quick guy. He got the edge a couple of times there. Um, you know, nothing spectacular, but it was nice to see somebody come in there and, uh, get the job done. Um, he, he looks to be understanding a little bit better than in my opinion, uh, Mathis in the run game. It just seems like he's just dancing a lot back there. Uh, I don't know if he's just kind of waiting on to hit the holes, but, uh, in my opinion um uh, 26 did a great job there uh kind of filling in those shoes at the at the end in the in the second half yeah. um you know that that's really all i got honestly i mean i thought you know jt did good i thought he was kind of shaky on times he's not as great of a passer when he's on the run uh that i noticed a few times uh in the game just on some some throws that he did have uh but I mean, man, he'll hang in there, dude, and he he'll step up. He's a tough, he's a tough dude, for sure, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And credit Mike Joseph and company and all the work that they do to yep get those keep guys them boys strong, get those boys uh, ready to go. And I I can't remember who it was with. I actually heard an interview this past week though. JT might have been with our buddy Andrew Carritti. I'm I'm not sure, but JT was talking about how. He's so confident in his body and where he's at health wise because, yeah, yeah. because of because of of Mike and and the work that they do. Um, so let's let's hope that that uh, that that continues here as we uh, as we approach the midway point of the season here in just a couple weeks, uh, gentlemen. As we start to wrap this up, pivotal moments. I'm gonna go first on this one. How about that? All right. The host, the host is gonna put his foot down. Um. Because I don't know if we might, all have, we might all have the same one, or uh, I don't know here, but I'm going to go first as Jed gives us an up-close look at his neck here on the, uh, on, yes. the on the Zoom camera. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's hard to pick a, a pivotal moment from a game that you lost like that, but it, there's one that stands out to me. Uh, WVU's second possession of the game on offense. All right? So Mountaineers <laughs> – Jed's just holding up a piece of paper that says drops on it. I know where you're going with this. Um, and for some reason now Jed's way out of focus. I'm way oh, out of, out of, of that, focus. That piece of paper messed up your camera there. It looks the like white it's balance, off balance. The yeah. white balance is off there. WVU gets the ball first. You don't score any points, but you gain some yards. You flip the field a little bit right before you punt it back. Defense comes out, forces a three and out to start for Texas – You get the ball at the Texas 48. You're 48 yards away from the end zone. You're a first down or so away from being in in Casey leg range, at least for a field goal. Uh, Third down, third and two, Michael Laughlin, TJ, that play there. We hope Mike's okay. You hate to see him, the injury there, that same knee that's plagued him. But you got to have a first down there. Either it's not the best throw by JT. He did Mike no favors, but that's a ball that still either needs to be caught or JT needs to pull that down and take the green grass in front of him and just run for three or four yards and slide and keep the drive alive. Fine. You decide to go for it on fourth down, fourth and two. I think all of us were sitting on the edge of our seats, right? Here we go. A little more aggressive from Neil Brown on the offense. Again, not a perfect ball from JT. He probably wants both of those throws back but enough that it should have still been caught by Bryce Ford Wheaton. So you're set up at the 48 with great field position. Not only do you do nothing with it, you give the ball back to Texas now in great field position. They drive right down the field and score. And, I mean, the the riot was on in in, in a way there. That, to me, that sequence of third and two where JT could have ran it, not the best throw to Mike, but he should have probably still caught it. And then on fourth down, not the greatest throw to Bryce, but he should have still caught it too. You not only surrender the momentum in that moment, you give Texas the ball again right near midfield when you had all the field position working in your favor. They score quickly, and they go on to score often and pretty easily. That, to me, was my pivotal moment. I I, I have a group text of, of my WVU buddies from college and everything, and, you know, I'm – reacting in the group chat of I can't believe we just blew that opportunity we got the ball at the 48 yard line we did nothing with it that's a big moment here early on and I probably was overreacting a little bit all my buddies were you know hey listen it's the first quarter all right calm down here there's a lot of football to be played but when you're on the road when you're a double-digit underdog when you're playing a team like Jed has mentioned that has the talent in Texas in a nighttime environment against a team that's really honked off at the game that they just lost uh, to, down in Lubbock the previous week. you got to capitalize on those moments. You at least have to come away with three there, or you at least have to continue the field position advantage and maybe you pin them inside their 10 if you end up punting. What you can't do is give them the ball right back at close to midfield and let them go right down the field and, and score. That was my pivotal moment.
1: Love the passion, brother.
0: Oh, we, I mean, we got to drink some, we got to drink some beers. Together,
1: but... No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's in a game like this, it seems like it was just a giant snowball uh, to me. Just the bonehead penalties. was, what was the biggest thing for me in the pivotal moments? It just seemed like, you know, Kobo with the fifteen yard personal out of bounds. I mean, just things that don't help yourself. You you're just hurting yourself every time. It's like we're trying to make a big play so much that we end up not making one. But I'll I'll say the trick play that just kind of like gashed me right there. I'm like, oh man, they they we're playing so aggressive right now. Yeah. We have no control over what we're doing. Uh, and in the secondary, I mean. It, Clearly, it was obvious. There was a lot of miscommunication at times, or it, we were just plain old out of alignments, out of place. It just seemed like we struggled really bad in the secondary. But that play for me kind of was like, oh, man, man, when you're dialing up trick plays, the second score, Ugh, uh, uh, and we're just biting on it hard. So I don't know. For me, that was just. And the evolution of what conspired after that.
2: Jedgar. Uh I, I go back to what you talked about, Wes, that sequence where we had back to back opportunities. Uh and and I'm sitting here watching the cut up of the third and two. That was the dropped ball. Uh a JT could have run for that first down. Yeah, he could have. and green grass and
0: high tides forever. And and he's and
2: he's a he's the type of quarterback who typically keeps his receivers or pass catchers, in this case Mike, out out of harm's way. And and yeah, they they cut big Mike O down like a Christmas fur.
1: Oh, dude! You can see him standing there, yeah. like looking at him, like "Holy shit!" I just did. Sorry, "Holy schmidt!" I just did that. <laughs> but legit. I mean, you could tell yeah. the remorse on him. Yeah. And instantly, when he threw it, he knew he shouldn't have thrown yeah. that. Put him in yeah. a bad situation, big time. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm watching
2: it right here on the on the cut up, and uh, as I noticed the first time I went through it yesterday, it's. It's something that, yeah, he could have kept it and that put us in a bad spot because third and two fails, begets fourth and two. We talked about it. Yeah, JT didn't make a perfect throw for the time capsule, but it was certainly catchable. Bryce ran a good enough route to beat the corner on the slant. Uh, It's a football that he's often going to catch, but that time we didn't. And, you know, it's under the circumstances, it's a big gamble. It's fourth and two at your 40. You're gambling that your offense is going to keep the momentum flowing your way instead of turning it Texas's way. And when your coach is aggressive, you got to reward him for being aggressive. You know, we didn't do that. Uh, You know, obviously, Neil signaled to Graham, hey, you like a call? I'm rolling with it. Yep, I like a call. Let's roll with it. Uh, That's what kept us from punting. And I think Oliver Straw had a chance to pin him. But instead, you know, we went aggressive, we went for it, it didn't work. You got to deliver. We had two chances, really three chances, I'd argue. One, starting if JT keeps it, we move the sticks. Uh, two, if Big Mike holds on to it, man, that's tough though. Like I said, he got cut down like a Christmas tree. Uh, but if he holds on to it, uh, that's a first down. If Bryce holds on to it, that's a first down. So he had three opportunities and two plays to move the sticks. We didn't deliver, we didn't reward the aggression on the part of the call. Uh, and and like you guys said, we punt it away, and next thing you know, a six-play drive by Texas, boom, they're up seven nothing, and never looked back. It's a it's a lead they would never relinquish. So uh, that's it's difficult to look at something other than that. Is you never know. I mean, all we know is we would have been playing this game. Football is a game of cause and effect, so it's not as if we convert that first down, everything else happens exactly the same, and it's twenty eight to seven instead of twenty eight to nine, No. Every play affects the next play. Maybe so twenty-one to seven, and we're now playing question. this maybe game in a completely alternate 7. universe. Yeah, yeah. In which yeah. West yeah. Virginia might go up seven to nothing. We don't know what Texas does from a play call situation. We don't know. Jed, I mean, Jed, maybe you, maybe you go up, maybe you go up
0: instead. seven nothing, and Texas
2: muffs the ensuing kickoff. You never know. Yeah, I mean, all you know is you don't continue down this linear path where everything else is exactly the same, except we score on that drive. Mm-hmm you're playing a much different football game. Maybe it's a football game where Texas would have still come to play and jumped out to a giant lead and still hammered us, but it would have happened to happen in a different universe than this game did. Hey,
1: what was that fourth and one at Pitt? Uh, what do you mean? Where were we on the field?
0: The 47. Just across the 50, right? Yeah,
2: 47. It's so right around there. Yeah. Similar, uh, similar situation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, you wonder if some of that got to him a little bit like, Hey man, just play your game. You know what I mean? But I, it just, it didn't, I don't know. You know what I mean? You love to see that. You love to see the aggression, but you got a guy who can punt the crap out of the ball, put yourself in good field position. I understand you want to start fast. Like we said, it's a multiverse, man. Anything it's everything is, everything's a reaction. So I mean,
2: everything's causing and effect. That's why yeah. I sometimes get frustrated with to get out of here. But talking big picture, sometimes I get frustrated because you'll see people say, man, we had the ball done inside their 10-yard line three times. We should have 21 points. I'm like, no, no, no. The field position never changed. Okay, yeah, you didn't score the first time. You forced a punt. You got it back on a short field. You didn't score again. You forced a punt. You got it back on a short field. It's not 21 points. It's seven points and then reset with a kickoff. That's not yeah. 21 points, right? Everything affects and impacts everything else. Football is cause and effect. Okay. And once one thing goes differently than it actually did, that changes everything that follows it from play selection to performance, to field position, nothing's ever the same twice. It's just like lightning striking, but it didn't work out. But again, tip your hat to the aggressiveness, but it wasn't rewarded. So
0: not just tip your hat, tip your cowboy hat down oh, there yeah. in Austin, Texas. Those are our pivotal moments brought to you by our friends at High Street Prints. Make sure you're checking them out, highstreetprintshop.com for all of your printing and merchandise needs. Surprise we'll have is some, coming, fellas. We'll have some merch real soon on ITGFootball.com. Next
2: time we're on the air, we might be wearing some. Ooh. In fact, I'm going to say we will. I love it. I'm, I'm going to say we will. Well,
0: next time we're going to be on the air, it's going to be a few days, By week this week. So we're only going to have one episode for you this week. No, no huddle, no preview episode, oh, obviously. Yeah. That's why we we did, We hopefully we gave the people what they wanted here. Yeah. Uh, and what the people wanted was Owen to get one of his beer trucks correct and <laughs> checkmate ah, in that ah. regard there, partner. Um, obviously, we'll have the bye week. Our, so our next uh, episode will be early next week. When we'll have the, the preview of the Baylor Bears on Thursday night for you. Thanks one more time uh, to our new friends at Bet Online. This episode brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, make sure you're visiting BetOnline.ag for all your uh, gambling needs as well. Too, I might have to. Uh, I don't know. Get some action this weekend without the Mountaineers. Make things interesting. That's that's what you do there. I steer uh,
2: clear. Do as you will. <laughs> I just like to look.
0: I don't steer unless I'm down in Texas, Mr. Jedger, all right? Uh, bet online for all of your uh, all your gambling needs. Gentlemen, pleasure as always. Uh, make sure everyone following us on social media, In The Gun Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, on YouTube as well, too, if you want to see the video element of all this with the graphics and Owen's beautiful beard and Jed and I's beautiful mugs. Um... And the one thing we ask of you is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. We got some big things, got some big things planned for the rest of the season. We were already brainstorming off-season ideas, and we got some cool guests lined up as well too. Uh, so make sure you're joining us along the way for all the shenanigans. For the beer truck, Owen Schmidt, and the signal caller Jed Drenning. I am Wesley Euler, saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. You've been